All right, guys, we're getting down to brass tacks with Weapon X. <laughs> that is so great. That is single-handedly your greatest life achievement, probably. <laughs> What's up, guys? We're we're back with Derek Goslin. Uh, I'm Scott McDaly. Of course, all our programming is brought to you by True Nutrition, dude. I want. I've got this. Do you have this yet? I do. I have three of them actually. So. Like, I don't know why they gave me three. I guess I could use one for cardio, one for training, but that well, shirt is dope. I got a couple of them. So here's my thought. And I actually have a couple of these, which, believe it or not, don't fit me. These are the girls. Anas- uh, I was going to say Anastasia has that one. Uh, I, I think it's a crop top. Yes, this is a girl's crop top. So I've got a guy's shirt and a girl's shirt. We'll have to come up with a reason to like give those away at some point in the future. I'm not sure what. Yet. So you and I will have to put our heads together. Uh, guys, today we are going to talk about recovery. No, excuse me. Guys, we're going to talk about exercise selection today. <laughs> We've got so many topics. So many topics. We really do. We really do. So exercise selection in order is today. Now, um, just a disclaimer. Um, there is no perfect way to do this or necessarily right or wrong. It is what works for you. I will give, we, me and Scott will give our opinions on, um, how we like to construct this and what we feel works best. We will give our reasoning as to why. And then at that point you are allowed to critically think and deduce for yourself what would work best for you. So we're not doing any uh, pres- program prescriptions here. We're just think, say, talking about what we think works best. Sounds good to me, man. Is that, is that, a, is that a good disclaimer? I, th- I think it. I think it is. You know, I mean, all we can do is try to help people. We're not. We're not even with people in the gym. You know what I mean? To, right. to set these things up, and everybody. Everybody is so individual. And I'll tell you what, man. I feel like there's nothing that. Um, there's nothing that's just because be, because I'll want to do something one way doesn't mean I'll have the same ideas six months later. Like for me, there's been times I've gone through huge phases of pre-fatiguing my chest and starting with a pec deck before I go into my presses. Other times I'm like, no, man, I want to get right in there, get straight to the presses. I'm strong and I want to ride that strength. So I think, I think it always depends. Like you said, man, it's a real individual thing. Another thing I've done uh, actually is um, I actually got this idea from John Jewett, which was he used to start his push days with lateral raises before he would get into his chest pressing. Yeah. Because I think I think you know, something about his shoulder, um, the AC joint was bothering him. Uh. So, but his presses were stronger and more stable and efficient when he was doing starting with lateral raises plus at the time he felt like his shoulders were lagging so it was just a good reason he had multiple reasons to put that first and i did that for a while and i really liked that too but i've done push days for instance the same way like those three ways that you just um that you just outlined that's cool i by the way i like john jewett a lot he is such a smart dude we need to get him on one of these shows that actually wouldn't I don't think that would be that hard to do, actually. Um, I talked to, I wouldn't say I talked to him like super frequently, but I talked to him often enough. He's really, really very, very nice person. I would consider him a friend for sure. Very knowledgeable too. Like just really, yes. and great physique too. He's been getting absolutely peeled this year too, like out of his mind. Oh yeah. Well, the condition has always been something that he's, that he's been known for. Yeah. Um, so now he's just focused on bringing up, you know, lagging body parts, which I think for him has always been his chest. Um, and then his like upper mid back like traps and rhomboids. Yeah. Um, 
So those are the things that I believe he's been really hyper focused on lately, at least over the last, you know, this year for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, where where do we start then uh, with with our disclaimer out of the way? Well, uh, you brought up push day, so I think, and I did push today, nice. so I think that's a that, that's a good place to start. So um, exercise selection in order. Now the reason why we made this the um, last episode in terms of us talking about training programming, like that little segment that we've been doing, is. I personally feel that it is the least important of the variables Hmm. that we have discussed. Now, that's not to say that it's not important at all, but um, if you train like ass, your exercise selection doesn't matter. You can have the perfect exercise selection, but if you don't know how to go to failure, it really doesn't matter at all. I totally agree. um, You know, that you have the perfect exercise order that you are you have the perfect elbow angle for your nautilus pull down and you have the perfect thoracic spinal torque and your moment arm is perfectly measured like none of that matters if you don't know how to train hard and intense so i agree that's why so that's why we have that last so um but it is important um especially when you are trying to when progression is important to you and you're trying to address specific body parts so um for push day I have one of two ways that I have constructed it. So this is my favorite way. I What I used to do was I used to do each body part individually. What I mean is I would do all of my chest exercises together. Okay. I would do then all of my shoulder movements together, and then I would do my tricep movements together. Um, and I think actually that's the way that I did it. Uh, that's actually the way that I did it today. Um just because it's not the way I usually do it. So I wanted something a little bit different. That's and what I generally I do. I'll do my chest exercises, you know, starting with the yes. big body part, whatever, if I'm doing multiple body parts, I generally yes. start with that big body part, chest in this case, then shoulders, then go to triceps after that. Right. So I, that's the way I, that's the way I did it today. Um, again, that's not the way I usually do it. And that's the way I, that's the reason why I kind of favored it. Now, another thing that I want to point out is when we're talking about this and you're trying all these different things out, guys, um, make sure that you are progressing in your performance throughout the entirety of the session, that your exercise selection is not hindering you in some areas because you could have good exercise selection, but the order could cause you to have diminishing performance with subsequent movements. So you want to make sure that you can either maintain or progress performance throughout the session. Now, could that be an order issue or could that be an endurance issue? Yeah, that's another thing you'll have to decipher for yourself. Um, but that's another reason why I always say try to get stronger in multiple rep ranges, not just, you know, your six to eight, eight to ten, you know, et cetera. Yeah. But anyway, so just log all of your lifts, keep track of your performance week to week and make sure that all of your lifts from beginning to end all of your sets are progressing week to week and that you're not only progressing in some, but diminishing in others. Hmm. Um, Cause then you just kind of level out in, in, in a sense. So the other way that you could do a push session that I frequently do that I, that I like is instead of dividing it by body part, divide it by uh, movement pattern. Oh. So what I mean is your pressing movements and your isolation movements. Huh. I, so I've like, never I, done that. Never done that. I absolutely love it. Now, obviously, you have to have really good endurance for maintaining pressing strength throughout. Yeah. But so like 
so an example, an, an example uh, push day that I would do that I like. Um, so let's say I start with um, uh, incline dumbbell. Sure. Right. So I'll do a, so incline dumbbell. Everything is two working sets, but we we've talked about volume, so I'm not going to go into that again. But um, so incline dumbbell press. Then I might do um, an incline hammer. Um, actually, no, I would do an incline dumbbell. Then I would do like an incline smith. I really like incline smith. That's probably my favorite chest movement. Okay. Um, then I would do a high incline smith or a overhead shoulder press, like a machine overhead shoulder press. Um, so we're talking incline dumbbell press, incline smith, high incline, so where you're more uh, yeah. more like so you're yeah. more like more like this as opposed to all the way back here. Yeah. Okay. Um. So that's to hit shoulders. And the reason why I like a slight incline on that overhead press um, is it feels a lot better on your rotator cuff than if you try to be like perfectly vertical. I would agree. It really, it really feels like shit on your and, rotator cuff. Hey, you're training chest anyway, too. So if you get a little peck in there, you know, whatever, right? Not, not a big deal. In fact, that's probably a good thing. Um, and then I'll do some sort of tricep press. That yep. could be... Um, that could be kickouts. That could be a close grip bench, um, heavy dip machine, something along those lines. I love so, this. So, like two, I'll typically do either two chest presses and a shoulder press and a tricep press. Or if you want it to be shoulder focused, you could do two shoulder presses, one chest, and one tricep press. Hmm. Now you're done with your pressing. Now you can go into your isolation movement. So then I would do like uh, a cable fly or a, or a pec deck fly. Yeah. Then I would do some sort of lateral raise, whether it's machine or dumbbell. And then I would do like a rope extension. I love or, this. You know, I'm going to try some this. Extension. You taught me something so, today. Why did I not? Why did nobody ever tell me this before? I, I have I have no answer for you. Um, <laughs> I actually I actually picked this up. I actually picked this methodology up from uh, Christmas Cabbage. We had a. <laughs> Um, so you you've been trying to solve the mystery of where Christmas cabbage has been as uh, per the last episode with Dave yeah yeah Christmas cabbage is on holiday with me he's been in Florida yeah he's been training me so uh, (laughs) that's how (laughs) so that's uh, that's where I've gotten that from Um, yeah so pressing isolation movements so that's another way to um to divide it and i really i really really enjoy that and i'm able to progress in each subsequent um uh each subsequent movement plus you're getting all the neurologically taxing movements out of the way in the beginning of the session yeah so when you get closer to the end when you're a little bit more tired you have the movements that are not as neurologically taxing at the end where you can put a little bit more effort in without you know running yourself into the ground Uh, yeah that's perfect man that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Okay. So um, obviously uh, I'm talking in terms of uh, push pull, a push pull leg split just because that's probably my favorite um, setup in terms of getting the amount of volume you need in order to continually progress your muscle groups. And um, oh, thank you, Ethan. Uh, tell us how everything's going. Uh, I, Scott said you're at the hospital. We want to know how, our, how how you are specifically. I asked him if he had his baby uh, in between uh, our recordings, and he said, yes, I wish I could post a pic, but I'm currently holding her. Congratulations. That's congrats, awesome. Man. Yes, congrats. congrats on your baby, your baby girl. 
Yeah, that's so that's cool. Awesome. I use a, he's a client oh, yeah. of mine, by the way, and I don't want to go into his own personal details, but he had to put a lot of effort into making this happen. Uh, I know a few people that have had that struggle as well, and uh, it's so cool to see it freaking come together. It actually makes me feel a little bit emotional because this has been a long time. Uh, this I was really hoping. Coming. I was really hoping that he wasn't tuning in to brass tacks while his wife was in labor. Push, honey. Push. <laughs> no, not even. He's standing in the hallway like, let me know when you're done. I, I got I to gotta, I gotta, I gotta I gotta, watch brass tacks. I got to learn about the uh, about how to do my exercise selection. <laughs> I got <laughs> I to gotta learn about muscle rounds. I'll be back. <laughs> um, so, okay. So that's push. Now... Um, pull day. Okay, so this is how I like to do it. Um, I will typically have, I'll do, so pull day will obviously be back, biceps, and rear delt. So I find rear delt is a very neglected, uh, muscle. It it, it is small in comparison, and it's behind you, so you don't really see it, so you don't really think about it. However, if you really want a nasty side chest shot, have a big rear delt. Yes, it sir. Just, it, it completes the picture. And especially if you can have – if you have a big rear delt, there's a very clear separation between – like you have the roundness back here, and then yep. you can see where the tricep starts instead of it being two separate – I mean, instead of it looking like one big mass. You know what like, I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it gives you that – like you said, that 3D look from the side. Absolutely. And it caps off your rear shot, your rear relaxed. You know, when you're standing there, your lats come up into those capped around delts. If you've got good rear delts and you're standing there and you're rear relaxed, man, it looks good. And the rear double. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, it's a really overlooked body part that adds a lot of, uh, I'm going to use the term completion for lack of better terms. To sure. The physique it's a good word. In certain shots. So, um, so back biceps rear delts and actually i do back rear delts and biceps so for the back portion you'll have a pull a and a pull b typically um you could also do a push a and a push b if you like you could have one that's chest focused like i said and have one that's shoulder focused so you could divide it that way um just make sure that the movements are similar but still in line to the structure that you're trying to follow now for pull I like to, so I like to either, you're either going to start with a vertical pull or a horizontal pull, obviously, if we're still talking in terms of movement patterns. Whichever one you start off with, I like to do the opposite as the second movement. Hmm. So if I do a horizontal pull, like a, you know, a bent over row or a pen lay row or um, T-bar or something like that, then I'll go to a vertical pull, which will be either a mid-grip pull down, you know, a wide-grip pull down, pull-ups. And I'll alternate because the back is such a big area of muscle with multiple muscle groups that you could tip that you could conceivably div, uh, divide into the upper back and the lower back. Um, I like to divide it that way and separate it that way. So that way one area is always getting a break while the other one's working. Okay. Huh? So, um, so let's say I started with a deadlift, right? My next exercise would then be a mid grip pull down. I really, really like mid grip pull downs. Okay. And then my next movement would be a T bar row or um, or a low cable row. And then the next movement would be pull up or wide grip pull down. Um, I really, really like dumbbell pullovers as the my last movement on a pull day. That's I really a great enjoy one. Enjoy that. It's a great one for the stretch. 
for the yeah for the stretch now for that one um i one recommendation that i always make to people is when you follow through with the dumbbell stop at your forehead don't go beyond that yes yes the reason the reason is the dumbbell is now moving horizontally from that point to your chest which is where people usually stop gravity is doing nothing you are creating zero tension in your lats at all so all of this is just wasted glycogen from here to here so when you get all the way back as far as you can you follow through to the forehead and then you go right back down yeah. And always remember that the elbow is your point of reference in terms of engaging your lats properly. Plus, you'll have really developed serratus as well if you do this uh, properly. Um, so, yeah, I really like pullovers at that spot, that fifth spot. So I'll do vertical pull. I mean, um, so it'll if I start with a vertical, then it'll be vertical, horizontal, vertical, horizontal, pullover. If I start with horizontal, I'll do horizontal, vert, horizontal, vert, pullover. Okay. That's the back portion. For um, me, I usually do. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I I was gonna just explain that something different that I do. But were you gonna say you usually do what? No, I was just, I was just gonna say I usually don't. I never almost never go beyond five movements. Sometimes I'll even stop at four movements. Yeah, I mean that's um, a lot for 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 back for back. That's so a, there's that's no a, need if 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 you're taking those a failure, you really don't need more. I do the same thing. I do rear delts with my back work. I used to do, yes. you know, all my shoulders together, but I, I, it just makes sense to me. But I will usually start with a pull down movement, and I feel mm-hmm. like that gets my uh, central nervous system keyed up enough that I can start doing something that's really intense from there. Like, yes, to be a pull down, no matter how, like you can go a hundred and ten percent on a pull down. And that's different than going 100% on, say, a barbell row. A bent over row. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so then I'll go into that stuff next. And I'll have a couple of one to two, one real key meat and potatoes back movement, a row of some type. And then from yes. there, a secondary row where I'm trying to yes. hit it from a you know different angle, maybe a little bit higher rep range. Um, and then from there, then I go into the rear delts. That's, that's the yes. way I've been doing it recently. Uh, for about five years straight, uh, we did uh, a program. We did programs that John had written. So mm-hmm. we would always start with a pull down. We would also move into rows, but there would be higher, more sets, uh, multiple sets, multiple exercises. Uh, if we were going to do a deadlift, the deadlift would come after the rows, and then we would finish okay. once again with a pullover. Always like we finished with dumbbell pullover. Oh, excuse me, we went to dumbbell pullovers, and if we didn't do a deadlift, then we would go to like hyper extensions. Ooh, I know John. John always loved hypers. He always had those in every program I've ever done. Those worked really good for me, and they really strengthened up my lower back. Like they is like repair from injury strengthened up. That's and uh, another thing I I just le- I learned this uh, this year actually. Another reason why he would program those in is. If because he liked um actually no, if he would program abs into a pull day because yeah. after all the back work your lower back is really tight yeah. and pumped up so he would program abs in after the back work to shift some of the blood away from your lower back huh. and into your anterior okay yeah we never did and that but I could really see well. that that makes a lot of sense to me yeah um. So then rear delts. So yes. there's a few there's a few different exercises you can do here. So I usually only do one. 
Um, but it's obviously either a reverse peck deck or a um, or a rear delt fly with dumbbells or um, or face pull. I would say the rear the rear delt dumbbell is the one I like the most. Okay. And recently, I the way I execute it is I typically do one and a halfs. Oh. Um, so which is another intensifying technique. <laughs> oh my god. They're you endless. Suck. They're endless. <laughs> We're gonna be coming up with new intensity techniques for like the next like three episodes. We're like, guys, there's um, five intensity techniques and we're gonna tell you about them today. And there's like <laughs> five hundred other ones we didn't know about. <laughs> That's so funny. Um one and a half. So just just to illustrate for everyone um watching, so you'll come all the way up until your arms are almost you know parallel with the ground. You'll come down a small portion of the way. You'll yep. go back up again, and then you'll go all the way back down. Whew. That's one and a half. And the contraction that you get in that little, that little tiny, like, like quarter half. I tend to, it's technically not half. It's technically like I come like a quarter of the way down, and then I go back up. Yeah. But the the contraction you get there is absolutely incredible. So I'll do that for like eight to ten, eight to ten reps, two sets, maybe maybe twelve reps. Okay. But, um, that's my favorite for rear delt by far. Um, and then from there into bicep. So I two bicep movements and then you're done. Now, um, this is what I've learned. You can tell me if you agree or if you see it a different way. But for biceps, if you want complete de- bicep development, the way I've thought of it and what I feel to be the most important is most people think that hand placement is what is the determining factor in your bicep development. It does play a role. However, the thing that plays the the most important role is the position of your upper arm, your humerus in relation to how you're executing the movement. So, so I would put it you you explained this uh, on one of the previous episodes. I did. I had I never did. really thought about it the way you explained it. Um, but after you explained it, I tried it and I feel like it was, it was very, it was good. I actually did, uh, one thing I tried was I did a set of like a a set of 21s with the barbell and I hit, I hit six in one, you know, I hit, excuse me, seven, seven and seven (laughs) in each position. I did 21s with six reps. (laughs) (laughs) I got to 18 and then I didn't know what else to do. (laughs) Yeah. So seven, seven, um, and seven in those. Yeah. What are the three positions that you that, that you so you're what back here? Interior. Okay. Interior, neutral, posterior. Yeah. So, um, an example of each one. So, example of anterior like this would be a preacher curl or spider curls, where your arm is in front of you. Um. Then neutral, obviously, you just, you know, you grab a bar or, you know, some dumbbells and you start with the, the, let me move forward a little bit. You start with the dumbbells at your side and you just can kind of do your thing. And so you're in the neutral position. You could do hammer curls or just standing dumbbell curls uh, where you twist or you could keep your hands supinated the whole time, no matter whatever. That's neutral. And then you have posterior. This would be like if you were sitting on an incline bench. Yes. And you were doing curls that way. Or if you uh, did curls against a wall where your feet are out in front of you, and if you have good posture, you're gonna be you're gonna be back like like this against the wall, but yep. you're standing. So the cool thing about that is versus a bench, 
is you can put your triceps against the wall so huh. you have something to brace your elbows and your triceps against so that way you're not getting as much uh, shoulder move. You're not getting any shoulder movement. Right. You're almost doing like a pseudo preacher curl, but you're standing. Yeah. What do, what are they called? I'm thinking of another one. Um, what are those curls called that you do on a Smith machine, where you just bring oh it, drag curls, drag curls. You just bring it straight up your body. That would be that same position, wouldn't it? Um. No, not quite. I feel like it would be more of a. I feel like it'd be more. That'd be more of a neutral. Okay. Uh. I, I feel like I my know. elbows that's, that's have to question. go. I feel like my elbows have to go back because you can't. I mean, if you're standing out in front of it, you could kind of curl it straight up. But if you're standing more neutral, like with the bar at your waist real close, then my elbows have to go back as I curl it up. The only reason why I don't typically favor drag curls is just because unless you have really, really good um, connection and control over your body, it is very easy to involve the traps. Oh, sure. And, and it's very And it's very easy to involve your back because your elbows are going backwards. Yeah, so yeah. there's a very high temptation there. So if you can avoid doing that, drag curls are a great exercise. But um, if you are unable to keep your body from doing that, then no. Fair um, enough. So, yeah, that's my uh, that's my synopsis of that. OK, so um, biceps, anterior, neutral, posterior. If you want complete uh, if you want complete bicep development in my opinion that is the best way to do it now obviously you want to make sure that you train uh the break uh the brachialis as well and you're going to do that with hammer curls so um so that is the probably the only scenario in which your hand position okay matters so hitting having a neutral hand position when you curl will allow you to train the brachialis um, that makes sense let us let us but move I'll, on to legs then. We gotta we yes. we're, we're so we're a little short on time, but I'm sure we can squeeze this in. Oh yeah, this is. I really don't have too too much to say. Um, what I would say is I always like to start my leg days with a hamstring movement. Okay. Um, you know, isolated knee flexion. So that would be either a seated leg curl or a lying leg curl. Um, or if you have a kneeling leg curl machine where you know you're kneeling on a pad and then the other one is extended. Um, those are really good too. But I always like to start with hamstrings just because my squatting movements and my leg press are much more stable and powerful. I have feel like I have more leverage. And it's very easy to warm up the knee yeah. uh, doing knee flexion as opposed to knee extension. I like to do the same thing. So um, also I highly recommend uh, adduction, adduction. So good – was that good girls? Yeah, good girls. Yes. Um, I, did, I did do the thing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, I really like ad adducting adductors at the beginning of um at the beginning of the leg day adductors and hamstrings and then everything else is the next three movements would be a um like compounds so two I usually do two lower body push so that would be you know push movements examples would be uh, barbell squat. Smith squat, hacks, um, leg press, V squat, all pendulum, all of those are push movements. Okay. And then lower body pull, obviously, is hip hinge, so deadlifts. Um, and then I would usually do uh, – so that's two push, one pull, um, a leg extension, 
And then I really believe in, I believe in attacking all the movement patterns. So lower body push, lower body pull. So that's knee extension, knee flexion, hip hinge, and lunge. Okay. I believe, I, I feel like every leg day should have some form of lunge style movement, whether it's actual walking lunges, whether it's split squats, or whether it's Bulgarians. Um, lunges are tough, man. I feel like lunges are one of the toughest and that's an exercise that I don't care how much equipment you have at home. You can do a lunge at any gym, you know, or at home. I would say they're, they're difficult at the, with body weight only, especially after a a full leg day that they're, they're, they're a bitch. (laughs) Um, but they, they're, you're training the entirety of all of your movement patterns. So you're going to get the most leg development. Oh, and train calves. Yeah. Drink calves. All you tiny calves. How often do you hit calves? Um, so in off season, I'll typically do calves like twice a week if I'm really lazy once a week. Okay. But like in prep, especially towards the end, like the last four to five weeks of a prep, I'll do calves every single day. Yeah. Seven days a week. And they handle it. They're okay with that. Yeah, they 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 grew in a deficit when I, I did that for the Olympia actually because um, John and Paul Carter were doing that challenge. They were they were doing a calf challenge. Okay, and they did it for a whole month every yeah. single day. To, and they were like competing to see who would have the bigger calves at the end. So I did the same thing, but I did it up until the Olympia. So it ended up being forty four days of calf work straight. And I was in a deficit that whole time, and I put on a, a quarter or half inch on um on my calves. No kidding. Oh, here you go. Just giving the answer on the phone. Nice. Um. So yeah, I put a, I yeah, it was like it was almost a half inch. It was just short of a half inch on each of my calves, and huh. I was in a deficit that entire time. That's pretty now, incredible, man. Could some of that have been just having blood in there constantly? Sure, but a half inch of inflammation. <laughs> Half inch of inflammation that I kept that entire time because I didn't want anyone to say shit about my calves when I was on when I was at the Olympia. Yeah, no one did. So I asked John about his calf training uh, when we did it, like a a principles of the mountain dog training uh, episode. And he had said he would hit them every day. They didn't feel sore. And he'd just do like four sets, four or five sets, hard, hard, hard sets. And I've heard Dave Palumbo say the same thing. Both both guys had said to use good strict form, no bouncing, obviously. Get a good yep. stretch, you know, all Pause, of that. Exactly. Up, yeah. Exactly. I was doing three working sets, and I would do like anywhere from twelve to twenty reps, and then I would do a ten to fifteen second stretch after every set. Okay. So I would find some some surface, and I would just put the ball of my foot against. I'd do one foot at a time. Put yeah. the ball of my foot against it, lean my body forward, get the full stretch of the calf, do the other calf individually, and then I'd go right back onto the machine. Yeah. And I would repeat that three times. So um, so that's that's what I did every day for, for – and I would alternate between the standing, the seated, and the, the leg press. Okay. Well, listen, so to wrap this up then – yeah, I, yes. we, we both kind of. I, I didn't explain anything with my legs, and that's fine. You're the uh, the Olympian it's not body. Fine. You're the Olympian <laughs> bodybuilder here. Uh, I, I think that the and you're the one that I I wanted to hear what you did anyway. Uh, we both did talk about back. Uh, or excuse me, yes. push and pull. Uh, yep. So, is there any advice uh, you would like to close with? 
as far as you know, the, the, I guess ideas. Uh, the, you know, because we've given people a lot of ideas. Uh, Absolutely. What do you want them to to take away with this as they put together so, their own programs? Yes. So, as, so as you are, first of all, don't be afraid to experiment. That it's there is no perfect way, right or wrong way. If you took me and Scott and uh, Dr. Scott and three other bodybuilders and asked us how we programmed our training, you would probably get three completely, I mean, six completely different answers. Yeah. So we all have figured out on some level what works for us individually. There are some overarching fundamentals such as training intensity and things of that sort. Um, but I would say the, the overarching concept when you are looking into your own programming is make sure that it promotes forward movement in your performance Agreed. that it doesn't yeah. that it doesn't hinder in any way so if you are able to come out of the gate swinging and you always pr on your first and second movement but then movements three through five are trash and you're declining there is something wrong with your programming assuming all other variables are in check as in rep execution intensity and all of that so you need to revisit that and there's nothing wrong with asking for help. You, I've, I have people message me all the time and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. What do you think? I will respond. I'm sure Scott will respond. I'm sure Dr. Scott would respond. Um, we have no problem helping, so don't feel like you have to do this on your own either. We all learned from somebody, so take advantage of the resources afforded to you to also learn and to make sure that you are always progressing. Also, you could hire Derek. There's that, or you could, or you could pay me, and I'll yeah. and I'll do it all for you, no problem. Or yeah. Scott, you could hire Scott too. Exactly. All right. Well, let's close this thing yes. out. Uh, I think this is some good insight for everybody, and we appreciate you guys watching. Um, I'd be curious to hear uh, if 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 people do things any differently than what we've talked Please, about. Yes. You know, yes, I'm uh, always open to new ideas and learning for sure. Because there are there's so many ideas to do everything. I think you started this out really well, saying that like, hey, this isn't the be all end all. This is just like what we do. You know? Yes, absolutely. So find out what works for you, and then ride it to the wheels fall off. Weapon X. I just had to throw oh. that in there. <laughs> oh. I knew you I would love you that. Jacked up. I love. I I really do. That's awesome. That's part. That that was like the highlight of my week. Thank you. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, for another episode of Brass Tacks with Derek Oslin, Weapon X. I'm Scott McNally, guys. Everything we're doing is presented to you by True Nutrition. Go check them out. Uh, use our codes either THINK or, wait, or Weapon X. We appreciate you guys. Yes. Thanks for watching.